Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. Parenting can be a very subjective thing. We all have different ways of raising our kids, but you can still argue that there are some fundamentals that children need, shelter, food, love, boundaries. But what happens when you split with the other parent of your child and they go AWOL in the good parenting department? Maggie Dent is an author. Her latest book is From Boys to Men, and she's the host of the ABC podcast Parental as Anything, though that isn't half even half of what she does. And of course, her most important job is she's a mum of four boys and a very happy grandma to six. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hello, Siobhan. (laughs) Um, Would you agree with those basic fundamentals when it comes to parenting? Look, I think we really need to recognise, yes, largely, that there's only one person who sees the world as you see it. Yeah, and when we kind of get with another person um, and create a you know unique miracle, or if we're one that has a bonus family that happens um, merged along the way, it's still your view of the world is based on your experiences, it's based on your belief system, it's based on what you've read and what you've learned. So every now and then um, you can be deeply and madly in love with this co-parent that you're with, and it's not until you actually bring a child into the world that you realise that, that seriously, <laughs> are you serious, um, starts popping up. And, of course, we're in a world where we're changing our gender kind of um, expectations around parenting as well. So we've now got much more hands-on dads and more mums that are, you know, working compared to the 50s and 60s, you know, we're allowing everyone to kind of follow their own pathways. And it's It's been divine to watch. However, you know that I'm a boy champion and I work a lot with men. So one of the things that men tell me um, is that it seems that us women, and I put my hand up for this, we reckon our way is the highway. (laughs) So that if we put the onesie on, right, then the leggings go, (laughs) you know, the order, there's an order. So um, one of my sons got really growled at because he did it around the other way. He did it like you call Jane Fonda look. <laughs> and when, when I sort of look at it, and we do that because we have a perception of how it should be because that's how you've seen it and that's how you expect it. So sometimes the conflicts we have are coming from kind of like differences of expectations and different values. But the tricky bit is when we are triggered by our beautiful children, which is part of their job on this beautiful universe, by our own experience as a child at the same age. And that's where things can get really a bit complicated for parents, Siobhan. So in a way, Maggie, are you saying that before we get into the nitty-gritty of co-parenting when you're not together anymore, that what we need to recognise before we even start is not to sweat the small stuff, is to recognise when the differences in our parenting styles are actually not harmful for our kids. All right. So what we're really talking about is the sorts of choices we make that aren't really abusive or violent or, um, you know, painful to our children long term. So, okay, let's cancel that one out. And also I'm going to say the parents that live in the same house will have the same challenges as the ones that live in two different houses. Um, And I think one of our things is 
you can't really have a conversation about uh, how you want to be as a parent um, with real knowledge because we were all perfect parents, weren't we, before we had a child? <laughs> yeah. Don't you remember my child won't do that? And that's kind of one of my, the things that drives my passion is that when I can get both parents, regardless of where they are parenting from, on the same page about a developmental challenge. So let's go to the kind of spontaneous meltdown of a toddler who didn't get the right colour cup. So if your parent was a shouty, yelly parent who just told you to grow up and stop being so ridiculous, will go outside, then that is kind of what will sometimes subconsciously come out your mouth. And yet later on you'll feel really lousy because that isn't actually the parent you want to be. And it can happen to the most loving of our parents. So I think what it is, is when those moments happen, if we as the big grown-up, we have a prefrontal, <laughs> the, the <laughs> developed, mature brain, we really need to pause in because what we do know is that is developmentally very normal for toddlers and three-year-olds and sometimes four-year-olds and sometimes five-year-olds, um, <laughs> and that we aren't failing as parents. And therefore, the last thing the other parent needs is to be judged in that moment as a damaged, flawed parent. And yet quite often we go into the reactive state and, it, you know, once again, we can come out with unhelpful things. So my biggest really big tip around this, if you are, let's just say you're in the same home when that happens and you did come from a shouty house, it will be your default. Yep. So in that moment, if you have, you hear the other parent in a shouty moment with that toddler who's developmentally responding to their the brain architecture at the time and the emotional development that isn't there, then what you can do, what really can work is rather than saying, what are you doing? That's not a good idea, is to what I call tag them out. So you wander on in and go, hey, this looks like it's uh, it's a bit tough. How about uh, I take over? And you go out. So that parent that's been triggered because, A, they haven't had enough coffee, they've been up for hours <laughs> overnight with the same toddler who they adore and so they're sleep-deprived, um, they've got something else going on in their life. In other words, they've been triggered because they're just a human. Mm. So if we can tag them out and let them get the coffee they need, let them go, you know, for a walk around the block and reset themselves, then we revisit maybe a little bit later what was it about that experience. Was it the fact that they started screaming in your face? Was it the fact that you'd offered both and they'd ignored it? You know, let's go into it when we're in a calm relaxed state to see if together we can problem solve that experience knowing that it doesn't matter how many times they have these experiences they will still keep on happening because this is raising children you know we get it right one day and the same day you do the same thing and it doesn't work and that's the nature of the radical the roller coaster ride of parenting now so when we're in the different houses and one of the biggest things that comes up so often after seminars, well, in the days that I was allowed to speak to real people, <laughs> uh, humans in a room, um, <laughs> was often people ask me not so much about their child but about their, <laughs> the other co-parent. And one of the common questions is the good cop, bad cop. So one is too soft and one is too firm. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's really interesting that our kids as long as our behaviour is predictable and consistent and obviously not abusive, they can actually adjust to that. And mind you, we do know, of course, if whoever the firm parent is, and sometimes it is mum, it's not always dad, um, if they say no to the biscuit, we will work on mum. Yes. You know, that's just <laughs> how we work around uh, understanding human relationships. So again, 
what we do know <clears throat> is that children need us to be, as our wonderful friend Dr. Vanessa says, a parent with swagger so that the soft parent might be getting to maintain boundaries without raising their voice, you know, without a bribe, without a threat. They just might just go no yeah, and leave it. Whereas the other one says, oh, I would have done this. And said, yeah, I know that's what you do. But right now this is, this is, you know, this is the way we do it. So, again, it's easy to judge another person's choices. But in the heat of the moment, I firmly believe every parent is doing the best they can with what they know. And until they know more, they can't be more. So one of the gifts of COVID-19 is when I've done webinars, we've had mums and dads on the couch, sometimes with pizza and wine, listening to me chat about being on the same page. Yeah, because guess who we don't want to listen to? The other parent. <laughs> right? You course. should. No one likes being shoulded on or told how they could do things better. What about when a relationship breaks down and it, and it could be for a number of reasons and I think I've witnessed this in unfortunately in different couples around me as we get older that not everyone can be Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin not everybody <laughs> consciously uncouples to the same level they did but I have found that um, with some of my friends they've been super conscious yes. of doing the right thing by their kids but then they struggle because their partner for whatever reason hasn't quite got that in their head and they're dealing with their own emotional stuff and and they might not want to see a counsellor and they're still trying to um, get emotionally around what's happened. And I, I've seen those friends really worry about the influence of the other partner, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. If it's not complicated, it's like they're going, we've split up, this is really traumatic, but I'm going to put the kids first. And then the other partner's like, our marriage is broken up and I'm going to make this really difficult for you. Um, and I, I know this is obviously it's a, it's a situation that people are grapple with and there's probably no easy answer. But what would you say to people in that situation where they're trying really hard to make it okay for their kids, often carrying their own emotional burden, and then they're looking at their other partner going, oh, my God, you're a mess. I don't even know where to start. Um, exactly. What would you say to them at that point? Okay, so we actually know that, um, you know, following breakups, that it is an incredibly challenging time because both partners, even the person who initiated it, will be going through a major process of grief at the same time as trying to be there holding everything up for their children, but they're grieving as well. So what mm. we do know is children hate three things, and if we can avoid that, that's great. However, if it does happen... Um, it is can we curb it as soon as possible? One thing is they hate seeing their um, parents uh, arguing and fighting verbally. So if you do have to have big heated discussions, do it via text or email. So it's that stuff they're not able to be scarred by it. Secondly, they actually want you never to bag the other parent, even though, yes, they may be letting that toddler stay up till 9.30, 10 o'clock at night and eat biscuits <laughs> and eat ice cream all day. Um, we just have to let that because as soon as you attack it, you add more distress into the child's life. And this is about us putting our children first. And, and then the other one is they actually want to be heard. So sometimes they just want to be heard. You don't have to necessarily have to fix something that's going on for them. They might 
um, they might be complaining that it's really difficult to find their stuff every fortnight and that and it's hard for them to settle, especially if they're doing homework and study in another house because there's not as much room. I don't like sleeping with my brother. We just need to hear them and say this is this is the best we can do right now. And sometimes you can take it on board. But the other part I keep saying to parents is the only thing you can control is what's in your home. So for you, the priority our kids need to have to grow up to be awesome human beings is a consistent, warm, absolutely loving deeply attached human being in their life and it's great if both parents are able to do that it's great if you've got even more other people who can do that and I've got my hand up because I'm being that um as I believe as the nanny I am they all say I'm a crazy nanny but it's that (laughs) it's the connection you know I don't want to go home I want to stay with nanny forever and I'm actually have boundaries but it's you save the best stuff so again if we can keep that in mind that you only can influence the things that you can influence. And if it gets really difficult for your response towards the other parent, then I would make sure you go and have some therapy, meet a family counsellor. So you can work through what is underneath that that is actually getting you so fired up because there will be something that's yours that maybe with some professional help, you may be able to let be less of a reactive button for you. What if um, the ex is doing sort of neglectful things, you know, like forgetting to go to soccer practice or turn up for parent-teacher night. And you know from your previous advice that you don't want to badmouth that parent. You're also, your heart's also breaking for your child. Um, You don't want to make excuses. I mean, what's the right thing for your child? What could you do as a parent to help your child in that situation when you've only got control over what's happening in your home? Okay, so children have a voice. So I can tell you now if um, um, <clears throat> the father of my boys after we separated had forgotten to take him to soccer training, I wouldn't need to say a thing. <laughs> I'm sure my children would let them know that that wasn't okay. So once again, they do have a voice and it's that, that they need to hear it from their experience. Now, going to school meetings and things like that, of course we would love both parents there, but are you there? right? So we share, you know, that information. We, As I said before, we don't have a perfect world. You know, there were a number of times that my boy's father was a vet and he was often out, out on calls, like he was, you know, unable to come to so many things. He wasn't a lousy parent. He was doing what was right at the time. But can you see again, when we see it through that lens, yes, you're going to be disappointed because you want a perfect separation and it's a bit like perfect parenting. It's, it's, it's a little hard to grasp hold of. What we want is good enough. And what I found is that our children like, as I said before, predictability. So if, if dad doesn't ever turn up to school meetings, then they get used to that as long as someone's turning up to the school meeting. Is, is there something that he may be doing that would cause you a bit more concern? I'm thinking the very late bedtimes. Um, the endless takeaway or the endless hours on digital devices. I know that one that comes up as a biggie because we know that can impact our child's capacity to get out of bed and function at school the next day. So if I had really big concerns of that, you know, in our in our former relationship, there may have been a growing up. Um, it could be a mate, it could be a neighbour, it could be, you know, uh, in-laws that may be able to have expressed that concern and then leave it. Yeah. 
because again, it um, it does need to be expressed. That is starting to be when they're making choices that can impact our children's physical or mental or emotional well-being. Obviously, we're going to worry like mad. But again, if we can hand that on to somebody else or express a concern, and or once again, see if we can go to mediation and see if we can just. I just think we have to learn how to communicate more effectively because I mm. don't, you know, in those situations. Sometimes when it has become really difficult, it is a bit like a, a mind game where the children are the pawns in the middle. Yeah. And that that is really sad. But I can tell you now that the person who's doing most of that um, from a negative space mm. will not have the relationship later on in life that they will value with their children. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a long-term goal here. Yeah. And that, that, it, it doesn't matter is that are we being the parent that can hold the space for our children during this transformation? Um, that they know we're reliable, they can lean on us, we're predictable, we're not perfect, and that sometimes we too might have a night where toasted ham and cheese sandwiches is dinner because I just kind of didn't get quite get to the shop mm. um, or we're getting home late from extracurricular. It's okay. Yeah. Maggie, it is so wonderful to talk to you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ah, thank you very much, Siobhan. That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator, author, and host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.